Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the program, I'll be hearing from Hong Kong public relations guru Kate Kelly, who's lived in the city for 34 years, about Eric Liddell, the Scottish Olympic champion runner and missionary, who died in a Japanese internment camp on the mainland in 1943, and how Kate was involved in helping to create a memorial to him and a foundation to carry on his work. But first, Ophelia Chan, who's the founder of Herbal Bliss, is a big believer. In organic products and healthy living, she's been on the program before to talk about teas that are good for you at different times of the year, North Point Market, and also how to make perfume from flowers and herbs. This week, she takes me to the organic vegetable market at the Star Ferry in Central, where I also meet Jessica Lau, the development officer for the Sustainable Ecological Ethical Development Foundation, or Seed. The market is there on a Saturday and Wednesday morning. Here we are on、uh, Wednesday. I think it is the only organic farmers market that is held on a weekday, and nearly every week I will go here. We are now at the Star Ferry in Central, and、uh, what we see, we have about five stores, and they are all、uh, small organic farmers from the new territories. And、uh, even though it's、uh, summer, but、uh, we find、um, a lot of、uh, varieties、uh, on offer. So、uh, let's. Uh, have a check.、Yes. I mean, all the veg looks lovely, actually,、yeah. nice and lush. Yes.、Um, so, what what sort of things will naturally grow in Hong Kong at this time of year?、Uh, actually, for fruit,、um, I, I mean, the mango is the end of the season, but we do have the dragon fruit. This species is a red flesh. Yeah, it's more、um, sweet and clear the heat also, so it's a、uh, very good for salad. And、uh, of course, we see those、uh, squash. And papaya is,、uh, and also this one is hairy melon. The Chinese hairy melon, and、um, use it for、uh, usually for、uh, making、yeah. soup. And a small red bell pepper of、uh, various colors, and bitter melon, and watermelon. So, what would you use bitter melon for? Oh, actually, there are many ways of using it. One is raw, and usually I slide it and、uh, maybe perhaps、uh, mix with plum juice. And a little bit of organic cane sugar and make into、um, very good raw salad. And secondly, I, I would like to,、um, to sometimes、uh, to fry it either with,、uh, for example, yellow bean sauce and a little little bit of garlic. Yeah, this is really really good for clearing the heat and、um, for、uh, calming the heart because heart is the organ that is specific for summer. And we need to clear the heat to make ourselves、uh, calmer and more <laughs> relaxing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's very important. And、uh, we saw there are some green vegetables, and this is of course a、uh, tong choy and yin choy, and this kind of、uh, Chinese chard. I think probably there is only、um, three or four green Chinese vegetables that are on offer in summer. And what would、yeah. you use those for? Oh,、uh, again, for example, the the tong choy I would fry with a、uh, shrimp paste,、uh, like the Thai way, and also the fermented bean curd, the small cubes of fermented bean curd. Yeah, it's a Chinese way. Yeah, it's totally delicious. <laughs> I really love it. And I、that. mean, it must be lovely to have also vegetables that haven't been shipped very far. You know, so they actually、exactly. retain、uh, probably more of their nutrition. Surely. Yes,、uh, they're much more vibrant. And、uh, in fact,、um, for those organic vegetables from overseas,、um, they are product of logistics. I would say <laughs> because they are. Um, package and grow in a greenhouse, and、um, it's not really nutritional dense. 
So I would prefer to support a small organic farmers uh, locally and um, understand about the rhythm of uh, the season so we we can have more connection with nature. <laughs> what area of the New Territories or all over? Uh, all over, uh, mostly on the north and the northwest and the west uh, like uh, Pengche or Yunlong or um, Fanling, Taipo etc. So let's have a look at this stall because this lady has got some overlap but also some different veg and I noticed she's got ginger here. Oh, actually it's interesting because uh, people think that the ginger can only be eaten in the winter but according to the Chinese medicine um, it is very good to eat in summer too because it will clear the heat um, that is uh, stored in, in the intestine and um, it will increase our immunity. And it's good for circulation too. In the village where I live, actually, I had some pickled ginger the other day. Oh, wonderful. Just done with white vinegar, white vinegar and and, and with a little bit of chilli. Oh, uh, do they become pink because of the vinegar? Oh, lovely. Yeah, very tasty. You know how to DIY then. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, so we have uh, also have some eggplant and the lady's finger, um, which is good for um, Indian curry. And uh, this is called mice, or you know the, the animal mice, mice uh, melon, uh, also good boiling as a soup. And of course the cucumber. Oh, so they grow cucumber here? Yes. They look very yes. good actually. Yeah, yeah, actually it's uh, very tasty. You can uh, mix it with uh, some kind of garlic and some a little bit of salt and uh, maybe chili. Or, and cucumbers are very cooling, aren't they? Exactly, and then you can mix with mint too and um, make it into a very delicious salad. Where would I get mint in Hong Kong? Oh, again, in a um, farmer's market like this or in the, um, some of the street markets, um, you can buy a fresh mint. But of course, uh, the best season is um, about, lasts about um, from April to now. So um, um, that is the really the local mint. Yeah, otherwise it's all imported. Yeah. So you're growing at the moment. You're saying that this is also the season when you're at home for Chinese herbs. Yes, uh, for Chinese herbs. Uh, for example, today I harvested mugwort, um, which is uh, good for women's problem and uh, circulation. I will infuse into a um, cold press organic vegetable oil. So women's problem means um, means period pains. Yeah, period pains and menstrual problems, or um, sometimes the the cold hands and feet. Um, really circulation problems and uh, because in Hong Kong um, we are always stuck in front of the computer with um, uh, very little exercise so um, the mugwort infused oil is very good for increasing the so-called chi or the energy yeah it's really good what's the one that looks a bit closed with the elastic bands around is that corn Yes, it's a baby corn. It is very good as a diuretic for uh, eliminating, um, for example, if someone got urinary inflammation, yeah, it's uh, very good to uh, boil it into a kind of soup. Yeah, it's baby corn. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works for UTIs? Yes, UTIs, exactly, yeah. And it's uh, corn silk. Corn silk is also a herb for the inflammation. And this is an aloe vera plant? Yes, aloe vera. And you can cut off the sharp edges and use the flesh to um, either uh, to soothe sunburn 
or to eat it as a salad, you can mix with uh, honey or plum uh, powder and make it into a very delicious salad. Because I've got a, a very big uh, aloe vera plant on my balcony, but I've never, I've never, <laughs> yes, do you know I've never used it for anything? Yeah, there's so much uses, especially if uh, uh, someone gets sunburned or itchiness or insect bites, it's really good, yeah. Does it work as a, a hair conditioner at all? Um, you have to mix it, otherwise it would become a bit dry if uh, used on its own, either on skin or, or hair. You, you have to mix with other herbs or um, yeah, other ingredients. <laughs> so when you kick off in the morning at the moment, do you, do you have any kind of herbal infusion? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, I'll make a vinegar um, herbal infusion uh, like uh, with uh, chickweed or um, some kinds of uh, Chinese and Ayurvedic um, Indian herbs to make into um, uh, hair vinegar mist. So it's um, very good to substitute hair conditioner and it's uh, kind of uh, fix your, uh, the hairstyle and then make the hair uh, very shiny and uh, it's an anti-dandruff treatment too. Oh, very good. Yes. <laughs> And all natural. Yes, yes. And this is a, a shiso. Shiso uh, is uh, very good for clearing the wind and um, uh, you can brew as a tea or use it as a soup too. Actually, I use it for making perfume too because it got a very, very interesting aroma. <laughs> and what are these here? These are lady fingers, but it's a different color. It's a red, red color. Yeah, so you can smile. okra, it. isn't it? Yeah, okra. Yes, definitely. And uh, one uh, specific remedy, um, I, I mean, it's a kind of folklore remedy, is to cut um, the uh, lady's finger into maybe slices and emerge in the filter water for over the night, and then drink the water because it is a very slimy, and uh, it will help with arthritis or other joint pains and even diabetes as well that is what i heard <laughs> but there's no harm trying <laughs> it's and what's the one at the back it's again um bitter melon but it's a different species yes yeah i think it's the um, thai varieties yeah with the organic label here in hong kong so that means zero pesticides yes and no you have to be uh, very careful because i heard that People will use the organic label. They may, might have some um, pesticides or residue, but it really depends on individuals and the trustworthiness. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what about here at the market? What's your experience been? It's totally trustworthy. <laughs> I would love, really love to support small organic farmers instead of the corporate organic farmers. That's that's my uh, motto. <laughs> now, who actually sets these markets up? There is an actual foundation. Yes. Shall we have a word with Jessica? Yes. Hi, Jessica. Yes, hello, hello. Okay, it's so the manager of uh, the Seed Foundation, a charity. Maybe Jessica would like to introduce Seed. We aim at promoting um, organic farming in Hong Kong. Uh, the former name of this organization is called um, Hong Kong Organic Farming Association. So, uh, but even though now we uh, we change our names, but uh, still we are focused on Hong Kong's developments of the uh, organic farming. So, what's your name now? Uh, our name now is a very known name. It's called Sustainable Ecological Ethical Development Foundation. Seed. Yes, seed. Yeah, seed is much easier. Seed Foundation. Yeah, seed Foundation. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, has there been a lot of interest? I mean, when you're trying to tell Hong Kong people what organic farming is, Hong Kong people are really practical. That the first thing they concern is about food safety. So when you talk about, uh, first of all, we talk about food safety, and then when then afterwards, organic farming, that's much more easier for them to adapt. Yeah. 
And this market is, has launched since um, 2008 and it's going to be 10 years in the next year. Oh, well done. Yeah. And uh, the farmers, do they do they make a good living? I mean, is it's a lot of hard work. I think maybe uh, average living. Yeah, because uh, it's very difficult to farm in Hong Kong. Well, it's getting more and more difficult in every in the in the upcoming year. So why why is that land availability or well land is an issue but I think to, but I think uh, in the past few years the climate is the main issue because your the, the sun the, is have been getting hotter and hotter but suddenly there's some rainstorm in a very short time so I, I may say it's a like something like a flush so that their veggies they uh, they are easily to well to to die. So is that climate change having an impact? I think climate change is really doing a big impact on Hong Kong's farm, Hong Kong's agriculture. I think no matter it's conventional or organic one, so they are all affected. What sort of vegetables do you like to eat? Do you make them into salads or do you cook? <laughs> well, I'm a traditional Chinese, so mostly we cook. And I'm, I don't have any preference on the veggies because I love every... Because every veggie has their, well, unique taste there. So, uh, well, I, I love every... And, try, and also I, I try to... Sometimes I check with the customers and try to introduce them some... They, they have maybe some prejudices on prejudices on the on the veggies sometimes oh I don't eat this and then I say oh see try try some try just a few these are organic and then the taste is different from the conventional one and then they love it with organic as well I mean but I mean do people complain oh it's a bit more expensive yes they uh, the, the customers do complain about the price but uh, but somehow so that's that's our our role to explain to them why the price go up and uh, much more than those conventional ones. Yeah, yeah, because uh, a lot of hard work and getting hotter, getting warmer means that the pest, the problem of the pest, uh, is also um, much worse than before. How do you fight that? Well, by experience and by observation. Yeah. So mostly they, they we try to repract organic farming, we practice uh, crop rotation and also uh, green manure. So also a fallow, so left the land fallow. So try and also we we just catch the the pest. So it's well uh, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yes. Is it what you just move them somewhere else? No, I kill them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with the so you leave crops. Yeah, I mean this is the issue, isn't it? In many places that that you never leave fields fallow, and and so mm. in the end the soil is yeah. so degraded, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So for organic farming, they use uh, they use some organic fertilizers. So which they, I, I think they, they now mostly uh, focus on some maybe algae fertilizers and also the uh, chicken manure. I think it's quite comprehensive fertilizers. But surely that would be great if they can, well, do the compost by themselves. But uh, the, but another problem in Hong Kong is because well, the farmers they are not allowed to raise the uh, livestock. So they don't have chicken, they don't have dust, and this well, this really well make the composting much more difficult. And also sometimes the animals like the chickens, the dust, they can also help to catch some pests in the farm. So we, we lack the well animals workforce. So what are you going to buy today, and what you're going to cook? Uh, I think may I think I will cook the well. I may introduce you a mouse guard. I don't know the English name, but that's the Chinese traditional name is called Mao Scar. That's from her. That is a very, it's just like winter melon, but more juicy than winter melon. And now I'm going to cook, make a quick soup and a stir fry of eggplants. 
very nice. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, frankly, you you know that for organic veggies, we we think that the original taste is is the great, is the best, is the best. So we mostly ask them just maybe stir fry or other or just so boil. keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple will be fine. We'll stir fry with garlic. That will be very very tasty. Yeah. And do you grow? I mean, I, I see peanuts here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We grow peanuts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a just for around three to four months, four months to grow. Yeah, is it? And you yeah. have a farm yourself? Yeah, yeah, we have we have our farms, and also we we also uh, cooperate with the schools, with uh, the corporates to teach their stakeholders or staff to farm. So we we have tutors to their schools to teach them. The kids can can learn how to grow in their school. But also we have the for example like Hyson Place. The rooftop of the, high, the urban farm yes. in the Hudson Place is organized by us. Oh. Yeah, so uh, we we teach the office and retail tenants of the uh, of the Hudson of the Hudson Group and also some NGOs that is recruited also recruited from Hudson that uh, we teach them how to how, how to use organic farming ways to uh, grow their veggies. So you're bringing it really into the city. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, and also try to uh, promote to the public. So we try to figure out how to make more people raise their awareness about climate change but well actually for in Hong Kong because everywhere there is air conditioning so most of people they just oh how come climate change well does, does not affect me because well I, I can just stay in indoor yeah, yeah. yeah. so how, how we can tell them that climate change is affecting us is by organic farming his brother So, we call him So God. Yeah, he's a he's a farmer. Well, specialized in growing the Western veggies because he knows how to speak English. So quite a lot of foreigners to his, yeah his customers. Yeah, most of Western veggies like salad lettuce, uh, beetroot, uh, kohlrabi, uh, broccoli, cauliflower. That he really he really doing great on them. My thanks to Ophelia Chan of Herbal Bliss and Jessica Lau, Development Officer for the Sustainable Ecological Ethical Development Foundation, or SEED. The market is available on Saturday and Wednesday mornings. Eric Little was a champion runner and missionary whose religious beliefs prevented him from taking part in the 100-meter race at the Olympics in Paris in 1924 because the race was held on a Sunday. His racing prowess and that of Harold Abrahams were shown in the David Putnam Oscar-winning film Chariots of Fire, made in 1981. Scotswoman and public relations guru Kate Kelly has lived in Hong Kong for the past 34 years and I'll be hearing more about her life here in a later programme. But here she talks about how efforts were made to remember Eric Little, who died in a Japanese internment camp on the mainland in 1943. Well, one of the things that I got involved with was founding the Eric Little Foundation, which started off, actually, started off life in the 80s uh, with a good friend here. Eric Little, most people will know from the film Chariots of Fire, who was the Olympic runner, but also a missionary who declined to run on the Sabbath because of his principles. And the film Chariots of Fire, I think most people would, would recognise, you certainly recognise the theme tune every time it starts up. But one of my friends had wanted to do a book about Scots who had achieved a great deal abroad, but were under the radar. And he was keen to include 
Lidl in this because not many people knew what happened after the Olympics. You know, the, the film stopped at him winning the gold medal. So he included that, but he got really intrigued by what happened to Lidl after. And so discovered that he'd gone to China. He was a teacher there. He had been interned in an internment camp in uh, Weifang. In the Second World War? In the Second World War. And he got the notion that he wanted to track down where he was buried. So with a friend from the British consulate, Matthew Henderson, they went on a pilgrimage to try and uncover where he was buried. And they actually found the spot where he was buried. Which, given that Eric Little was a teacher, the spot of the internment camp had become a school, which was really appropriate in a sense. And from there, the story was taken up with Edinburgh University, which was Little's alma mater and they raised funds to produce a memorial stone the Weifang school agreed to have a garden of remembrance and for the stone to be dedicated there and about 40 of us went up for the dedication um, including a piper and the school had certainly turned out um, its best you know, events planning because the school band was also there and there was an enormous cacophony between the pipes and the school band. And many people were seen clapping their hands over their ears <laughs> to drown out all of this sound. But from that also, um, Charles Walker, who was the main protagonist here, thought that it was a shame not to actually take this further. And so the idea for the Eric Little Foundation was developed, and that was to bring kids you know, young athletes from Scotland, Hong Kong and China together in a development camp. I think, you know, that was in the early 90s and it was probably, this was pre-internet days, so it, it was a demonstration of how a story could be viral in its sense um, there. It had a romance about it that people just seemed to grasp and before we knew it, there was interest from America, from Canada, uh, from Australia, from Japan, in sending teams from their countries. Author Ben Benenson writes of Little in his book Olympic Story, the definitive story of the Olympic Games from their revival in 1896. It was at Paris that Eric Little won immortality. Enthusiasm was unbounded. Men and women of all nations cheered unrestrainedly. And when the British flag was at the mast in token of his mighty achievements, the many thousands of onlookers jumped to attention. The scene on an afternoon radiant with sunshine was unforgettable. The star was as perfect as any star could be. Every man was off his mark simultaneously, as if they'd been shot out of their holes. Little was ahead by a flash, and as he flew along to the accompaniment of a thunderous roar, Experts and laymen alike fell to speculating whether he would crack. Such was the tremendous pace he set. Little was shrieked, Imbach was thundered by the Swiss. Taylor was shouted by a finely drilled American clique. Butler, Fitch in turn were yelled. Little yards ahead came round the bend for the straight. Fitch was closing up, there was Butler too and Imbach to be reckoned with. It was the last 50 metres that meant the making or breaking of Little. Just for a split second it was feared that the incredible speed would be his undoing. It was 
was Imbach who broke down some 50 yards from the tape. The Swiss fell and he was out of it. It was then Little and Fitch for it. The American tugs and pulled it himself, but to no purpose. And Little, considering the formidable opposition, burst home by a remarkable margin. Johnston came next and then Taylor, who had the bag luck to stumble a yard or so from the tape. Little, with every haste, took his leave to the cheering multitude. Eric Liddell was born in 1902 in Tianjin on the mainland, the second son of Scottish missionaries. He would go to school in China until the age of five before attending boarding school in London. Later, while at Edinburgh University, Liddell became well known for being the fastest runner in Scotland. Eric Liddell's victory was written up in a glowing report in the newspaper The Scotsman. The Union Jack flew in proud majesty over the Clom Stadium today for the only final down for decision, the 400 metres, which resulted in a great victory for Great Britain. The brilliant running of E.H. Liddell, the Edinburgh University sprinter, was responsible. There was a gasp of astonishment when Eric Liddell, one of the most popular athletes at Clom, was seen to be a clear three yards of the field at the half distance. Nearing the tape, Fitch and Butler strained every nerve and muscle to overtake him, but could make absolutely no impression on the inspired Scots. With 20 yards to go, Fitch seemed to gain a fraction, but Little appeared to sense the American, and with his head back and chin thrust out in his usual style, he flashed past the tape to gain what was probably the greatest victory of the meeting so far. Certainly there has not been a more popular win. The crowd went into a frenzy of enthusiasm, which was renewed when the loudspeaker announced that once again the world record had gone by the board. This remarkable achievement confirms the view that the quarter mile is Little's best distance. But one of the most emotional nights was when David Putnam was here. He was out in the East promoting Memphis Bell. He was the producer of Chariots of Fire. And we had written to him and asked if he would be kind enough to help us with a fundraising appeal, and he was delighted to do so. And over that evening, he revealed the backstory of how he developed the film. He'd been in Los Angeles, he was ill, he'd just finished filming Midnight Express. He was leafing through some of the Olympic books that his friend, who he was staying with, had had. Found the story of Eric Liddell and refusing to run on Sunday. Moved on to the next Olympic book, but he said something kept on bringing him back to that story. And he thought it was worth a development. Um, But he was looking at it just as a one-hour programme for television. Took it to a number of production houses in the UK, TV, and was told, this is a much bigger story. It needs to be much bigger. So then started to think about developing it into a film. And he said that, you know, every time he came up against a problem, it always seemed to him as if something, you know, was helping him from above, that, you know, those problems were solved. And in fact, that's also, I think some of that gold dust was showered on the Eric Little Foundation, because even as we developed the foundation itself, you know, even there, there were some problems or challenges, they did seem to disappear as well. But it it was very emotional, and he was talking about Florence Liddell, who had attended the first pre-screening of the film. And that was his widow? And that was uh, Liddell's widow. Um, And she, at the end of the... Ben Cross, who played Abrams, who was the main competitor with Liddell, he had come into the screening a little bit late, so he was sitting behind Florence Liddell. And after the screening had finished, she was introduced to Ben, but she had got totally confused with the character on the screen and Ben and said, oh, you know, Mr Abrams, my 
my husband spoke about you so often. So she kind of, you know, got so into the, the film itself. But she also said to Putnam that in life, Eric Little had been a poor public speaker, but that he'd made him speak to the world. Oh, wow. How lovely. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, I think it is interesting. I mean, that, that I didn't know that Eric Little had come to China yeah. and that, in fact, he did die there. I mean, he was quite young when he died. He was probably um, late 30s, mm. early 40s. His youngest daughter, he never knew. Um, Florence and the two elder daughters were sent to Canada and the third daughter was never able to meet her father. And again, you know, one of the, the things that uh, David Putnam had said was that, you know, after the, the premiere, um, that youngest daughter turned to him and said, thank you, Mr Putnam, you've introduced me to my father. My thanks to Kate Kelly talking there on the champion runner and missionary Eric Little and his legacy. The voiceovers kindly provided by my RTHK colleague Tom McAlinden. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.